I suppose we have to register you as a lethal weapon. <laughs> hey, look, friend, let's just cut the Now, we both know why I was transferred. Everybody thinks I'm suicidal, in which case I'm f***ed and nobody wants to work with me. Or they think I'm faking a draw psycho pension, in which case I'm f***ed and nobody wants to work with me. Basically, I'm f***ed. Guess what? What? I don't want to work with you. Hey, no. Ain't got no choice. Looks like we both the f***ed. Terrific. You're crazy! Now, you can jump if you want to, but you'll be taking me with you and that makes you a murderer. Okay? Come on, let's go you back. You bastard! Yeah, you'll be killing a cop. Now, yeah, I'll be so. killing a psycho nut job. Yeah, a psycho, but I'm still a cop. You coming in? Come on, I'm going in. you! I'm jumping! Do you really want to jump? Do you wanna? Well then, that's fine with me. Come on, let's do it. Let's Wait do it. I wanna do it. I wanna do it. Hey, come here. Somewhere. Here with me. Get in here. Hey, oh, okay. No bullshit. You wanna kill yourself? Oh, shut up. Yes or no? You wanna die? Yes or no? I got the job done. What the hell do you want? Get after the question. Oh, what do you wanna hear, man? Do you wanna hear that sometimes I think about eating a bullet? Well, I do. I do. I even got a special one for the occasion with a hollow point. Look, make sure it blows the back of my damn head out. Do the job right. Every single day I wake up and I think of a reason not to do it every single day. Do you know why I don't do it? This is going to make you laugh. You know why I don't do it? The job. Watch, watch, watch. Don't worry. You know, I was driving before you were itching your daddy's pants. You saved my life. Thank you. I bet that hurt to say. You don't trust me at all, do you? I tell you what. You make it through the mob without killing anybody, especially me or yourself, then I'll start trusting you. Fair enough. I do it real good, you know. Do what? When I was 19, I did a guy in Laos from a thousand yards out. A rifle shot in high wind, maybe eight or even ten guys in the world could have made that shot. You know they're going to kill her, don't you? Yes. And if you want her back, you're going to have to take her away from them. I know. Right. You do this my way. You shoot, you shoot to kill. You get as many as you can. All you gotta do is just not miss. I won't miss. We're gonna get bloody on this one, Roger. Are you really crazy? Or are you as good as you say you are? You're gonna have to trust me. Rich! Yo! After all we've been through, if you think I'm gonna eat the world's lousiest Christmas turkey by myself, you're crazy. I'll tell you a little secret. What? I'm not crazy. I know. Well, good. Let's eat. Welcome to Soup Delay Podcast. This is your host with the most, Mike Macmasunas. How's everybody doing today? I am doing great, and I am very excited for today. Today is a Saturday. It's the 16th. It's a new day, and a new series is about to start. Yes, that's right. The Lethal Weapon series starts today. Now, as you guys know, I took a break from doing series a little while ago. Batman was the last series that I did. Kind of took a lot out of me. And I am back and ready to hit up another series. And I know a bunch of you guys are very excited to roll into this series. And then the next series is Rocky. And then we're rolling right into the 100th episode, man. It's going to be awesome. And uh, the best way to be on the road to 100 is to do the best cop series there is, hands down. Oh, so good. I am so excited. And I hope you guys enjoyed last night's Underground Hour episode that I delivered to you. I know I had said I would deliver that with this episode, but, you know, I kind of mentioned in the episode how I wanted you to hear some of those tunes, and hopefully you guys dug it. So if you didn't know that was released, go download that now. 
Uh, otherwise, if you don't really care, that's not your thing. That's perfectly fine. You're here for Lethal Weapon. Well, I'm here to deliver, and I am super excited for it. So, actually, I should take it back. Nightmare on Elm Street was the last series that I did for the Halloween special. Uh, in that episode, though, I did, like, the whole entire series in one episode. Now, this is not, uh, just so you know, the Lethal Weapon and Rocky series will not be the whole series in one episode. It's going to be each movie has their own episode kind of thing. So uh, Rocky 3 and 4 are more likely going to be the same episode just because Jameson's coming on for that and we're probably going to talk both flicks at the same time. So that episode will probably be one, you know, Rocky 3 and Rocky 4, but everything else is going to be broken up into their own. So today we're talking Lethal Weapon 1 and next week we'll be talking Lethal Weapon 2 and then so on and so forth. And I got some announcements to make. And it's just going to be just a super fun and loaded episode. I can't wait. So before we get into the uh, talk for Lethal Weapon, let's roll into some movie and music news. I never meant to be your favorite enemy. I didn't want it this way. Face to face will So for the first bit of news that I want to talk about is the uh, the big story that broke about a week ago and really hasn't gone too far from there. And that's the uh, Nolan, uh, Justice League, so on and so forth story you guys know where essentially Christopher Nolan is supposed to be coming back as producer, not director. That's evidently in the rumor to be Zack Snyder, but bringing back Christian Bale to be Batman and essentially using Harry Cavill. And my understanding is, is from everything that I've heard, they're not really going to be doing Justice League. It would be uh, the world's finest, you know, where you have Batman and Superman in a movie together because those are your two, you know, Batman alone is the only franchise, is the only hero where his movies have gone over a billion dollars. You know, The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises both went over a billion dollars. So Iron Man, is success, as successful as he is, he hasn't reached a billion dollars yet, so obviously Batman is the most financial superhero there is. Uh, arguably, though, Superman is the most famous. He's the most iconic, which, I mean, he should be. He was the number one superhero before Batman came around, you know? So, Man of Steel, obviously, is going to be huge. There's no doubt about it. Now, I did get a lot of crap on my thoughts on the Man of Steel trailer and my whole opinion on not enough action and stuff like that. I had a lot of good things to say, but I just said it kind of left me wanting more. And I, I heard other people say the same thing, but like I told you, 
the second trailer comes out, it's going to blow me away. It, because even Zack Snyder has promised this one is going to be the action that was missing in the other trailer. So I have no doubts about it that it's going to be mind-blowingly awesome of a trailer. I'm going to have no issues with it whatsoever. So I have full faith in this Man of Steel movie and I honestly do think that if they are, if this is a true rumor, which it is just a rumor people blew it up to be as truth, but let's just say Devil's Advocate, this is for real. Obviously nothing's going to happen until after Man of Steel comes out. Warner Brothers wants to keep things chill. They want to make sure Man of Steel is successful. I think after it hits like 500 million, bam, they'll start talking about it. But let's be smart here. World's Finest is the way to go, not Justice League. Because you don't want to introduce all those other characters. You want to go with, okay, Batman is well established. Obviously, I'm talking about Christian Bale. And then Man of Steel, Henry Cavill, will be well established. So bringing those two together. Now, uh, does this tear apart the trilogy? No, it doesn't. Because there's plenty of ways where Bruce Wayne obviously stays dead nobody needs to know he comes back i mean it'd be perfectly awesome if alfred the person that didn't want him to be batman in the dark knight rises is the one that says look you know things have been uh you know blake he he became batman but he's not the batman we need you back because of this big threat you know superman finds bruce wayne and says look i know you're you used to be batman you need to come back whatever it is they can find a way to not uh to basically make the trilogy make perfect sense and not mess with that and still do a continuation off that by leaving bruce wayne dead to the world but he still becomes batman if you will so there's plenty of ways that they can go around this to show complete reverence to the Nolan trilogy and continue the story. I have 100% faith in that, you know, especially if you're having the same creative team come back. Now, uh, again, this is just rumor. This is not true, but let's just say it was. That's my thoughts on it. I honestly think that it ha this actually hasn't been debunked. Warner Brothers hasn't come on and said, no, this is this story is trash. No, they actually haven't come on and said it. Nobody's confirmed it. Nobody's denied it. It's just there. So, I'm, I still think this is the craziest rumor ever, and I seriously don't think it will ever happen, but I was just playing devil's advocate. If it did happen, that would be my thoughts on it. So, Overall, though, I don't think it will happen. I think they are just going to do a Justice League film, but I honestly like the uh, world's finest idea much better, just Batman and Superman, and then do the next movie as Justice League. You know, do Batman and Superman in one movie together, the whole movie, just them, and forget the whole Justice League crap. That's my opinion. So let's move on to some other topics here. All right. Now, uh, I guess technically this would be CCP news. But if you guys don't know, my co-host over on Change Channel's podcast, James Sin, America's co-host, he did have his baby just a few days ago. Everything is great. Baby's fine. Mommy's fine. In fact, uh, they actually went to a movie together. And uh, he had a girl, of course, as he mentioned. And uh, she sat through the movie, didn't make a peep, and everything was awesome. They saw Oz, so it was good times. But uh, I'm going to just let you guys know, CCP is pretty much on hold for a little while until things get uh, settled over on his side of things, and he's ready to podcast again. So just so you know, don't expect a new Change Channels podcast episode. So I may be throwing some TV news on uh, STL for a little while until we roll back over to CCP. But uh, Beverly Hills Cop, as you know, uh, when I did the series, it was a super fun series. It was good times. And I mentioned how they're uh, doing the TV show. Well, 
Eddie Murphy and Brandon T. Jackson. Brandon T. Jackson is the guy who is going to be playing the son to Axel Foley. Uh, they are on set. The series is now in production for CBS, so good times. They got a cool picture up there. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, of course, Judge Reinhold, uh, good old uh, Rosewood, is going to be in the pilot. Now, of course, these guys are not going to be in the series, I don't think, but the best way to sell it, you know, to do your pilot is to have the two guys come back. I mean, that's just great. So I'm looking forward to this TV show, man. I think it's going to be super fun. So just so you guys know, that is officially uh, in production as we speak right now. Now, the trailer to Kick-Ass 2 came out, and uh, some character posters have come out, and there's actually a Red Band trailer for Kick-Ass 2, and man, that trailer was crazy. Did you guys see that trailer? Oh, can I just say I love this trailer. It's so good, so funny. All right, I love Hit Girl. Hit Girl is awesome because she's so brass. She says the nastiest things you can ever have a, a girl say coming out of her mouth. And to see her now, grown up just a few years older, and saying even more crazy stuff out of her mouth is awesome. I love Kick-Ass. He's kind of more built now. And Jim Carrey, this is essentially uh, the Riddler like 15 years later on the box that's exactly what he looks like he looks like he is the riddler just on crack it's amazing i love it this trailer was awesome uh, i am so pumped to see kick-ass 2 it is great so i highly recommend you see the red band trailer because it's got all the swearing in it and it's just so hilarious and uh i love the dog at the end on that guy, you just hear Jim Carrey going off. It's great. I love it. And then, of course, uh, McLovin is the bad guy again, and his name is Mother Effer. So this movie is just going to be off the wall crazy. I'm looking forward to it. I really enjoyed the, the first Kick-Ass movie, and this trailer alone looks like it's really going to take the first one and just tear it up pieces and make something so much better. So I am looking so forward to Kick-Ass 2. It looks awesome. So check out that trailer, guys. It's great. Good times. All right. Now, uh, we had some more further casts added to the uh, X-Men movie, Days of Future Past. If you didn't know, if I didn't mention already, Halle Berry is coming back. Hopefully, she'll say more than two words this time. But uh, it looks like Colossus is back. Uh, he was in X-Men 2 and X-Men The Last Stand. Uh, he's going to be in this movie as well. So they're just, man, they're trying to round this thing out as much as possible. And I am looking completely forward to it. So, so far we have Hugh Jackman, Ian McKellen, Patrick Stewart, James McAvoy, Jennifer Lawrence, Michael Fassbender, Nicholas Hawk, Anna Paquin, Ellen Page, Sean Asmore, uh, Peter. Ding Lang, uh, Omar Shai, and Halle Berry have all been cast in this movie. So, a lot of people returning and some new people added. So, looking forward to it, man. I really am. Now, uh, other news that uh, kind of sucks is uh, the Gal- uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. As you guys know, that's the Marvel movie that they're making, which essentially is... Uh, kind of scratching people are kind of scratching their heads on why they want to make this movie to begin with but it's gonna i believe kind of coincide with avengers 2 at some point but one of the people that got uh added to the cast was dave bautista and this guy is this guy sucks this guy is a wrestler and he's not a very good wrestler and he's a terrible actor i've seen this guy in a few things and he he was terrible this guy sucks so I am not excited one bit that this guy has been added to the cast. 
It's really taking my interest completely out of wanting to watch this movie to begin with. He's supposed to play Drax the Destroyer. I get the fact that they wanted a big guy and all that kind of stuff, but this guy just feels like the really wrong choice. Maybe he could prove me wrong. Maybe he could be good. Who knows? I mean, I never thought that Chris Evans could be Captain America, and, and they proved me wrong there. I'm just saying, based on my first uh, initial reaction, I was not excited, and I thought it was a big mistake. But, uh, I don't know. We shall see how that goes as well. And the uh, final Resident Evil movie, which, as you guys know, I absolutely love these movies. I guess you could say they're a guilty pleasure for me. And uh, I'm very excited. They're going to be making one last one to wrap up the series, and it's scheduled for, I believe, September of 2014. So uh, Paul W.S. Sanderson is back to be the director, which is great. He's pretty much done almost all of these. I believe he's done all of them, in fact. And I know John, the mailman, asked me when's the retrospective. You will get that, sir, as soon as this last movie comes out. I figure, what's the point of reviewing the whole entire series when... Actually, I'll probably do this. Uh, I'll probably do the series right before the new one comes out, so that way I can final, you know, I can finish off the series on the brand new one because I'm gonna probably go see that opening weekend. So, in 2014, sir, we'll do the Resident Evil retrospective. I'm looking forward to it. It's gonna be awesome. So, I know some of you out there probably could care less. So, this is for the Resident Evil fans out there that like these movies. And the final bit of movie news is Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore are back together again. Now, I love these two. These two are great. And the Wedding Singer, Fifty First Dates. I love the Wedding Singer. It's a lot of people's. Uh, a lot of people think that this is Adam Sandler's best movie. I don't really argue with that. Fifty First Dates for me is my favorite. Uh, I really love these two together in that movie. It's got a lot of heart to it. I really dig it. But they are coming back, and um, Drew Barrymore will be playing the female lead in this new romantic comedy called. Uh, Blended. It centers on a man and a woman who, after a disastrous first date, get trapped at a family resort with their kids from previous marriages and uh, chaos ensues. So, sounds like it's going to be pretty fun. I'm really looking forward to it. So, good times. I'm happy to have these guys back again because they're great. I kind of wish they were a real life couple because they're so good together on screen so uh that's it for movie news uh as far as music news goes the only music news that i have which is kind of funny but not really is uh supposedly there's this thing called the harlem shake real crazy and definitely a uh, a fad it's gonna go away just kind of like the macarena and all this stuff but there's all these viral videos on this harlem shake thing and if you actually watch the real music video uh, it's crazy uh what's in this song it's i don't know it's a lot of a lot of hardcore swearing and rapping and stuff it's definitely not the harlem shake that i hear in all these videos so obviously it must be just like uh, the chorus with just like the lyrics taken out, whatever the case may be. Anyways, the Harlem Shake has been pretty crazy. So there's been these viral videos going around, and Supernatural was one of them that I saw. But it wasn't until I saw the, uh, while watching the Harlem Shake video, led me to the flash bomb to the Big Bang Theory. Now, as you guys know, we just recently reviewed that whole entire show over at CCP. It was super fun. One thing I forgot to mention in that episode is at the very end of every single episode, uh, they have, uh, you know, kind of the, the lowery words that if you pause, you read. They're real funny. And evidently, Jameson told me he actually wrote a book on all those, which is kind of cool. Uh, 
So I did forget to mention those. Those are always fun to pause at the very end of the episode and try to read everything that's in the writing. But the Big Bang Theory did a flash bomb. And I guess I didn't really know about this. I guess this is kind of old news. But essentially they were filming and uh, all of a sudden they start singing Call Me Maybe. And then they go into Gold Digger and they start, I mean, Penny and Bernadette. Let me just say they can dance. They can shake it. They got some rhythm and they just, uh, they shake what their mama gave them. Let me just say that. And uh, Leonard comes in and starts breakdancing. It was hilarious. And of course, the whole time Sheldon's in the background, just standing there watching while everybody's doing the dancing and stuff. Gold Digger was great because Howard was all like uh, singing like Jamie Foxx was great. I love the video. So check it out. Big Bang Theory Flash Bomb. It's a, uh, make sure you watch the extended video. It's like four minutes long. It's hilarious. You're going to love it. So that's my music news is go check out that video, the Big Bang Theory Flash Bomb, and just watch them tear it up to uh, Call Me Maybe, Gold Digger, all these dance tunes. It's great. And really pay attention to Penny and Bernadette. You will not believe the kind of dancing they do. It's great. So that's it for music news, guys. I know it's kind of more TV related, but what you going to do? All right, let's get into it, man. I'm so excited. Let's get into the review of Lethal Weapon. He's a criminal's worst nightmare. A cop who enjoys the danger. No guns, no jujitsu, just bring him down. They really want to jump. Well, then that's fine with me. Come on. Wait, I what do you mean? Wait a minute. What the hell? He was ready to retire. Now, he's going to wish he had. Gun! Oh, oh, oh. Raj, meet your new partner. New partner? <laughs> Too old for this. If these guys can just stand each other. What you got in there? Boy and Smith? A lot of old timers carry those. The bad guys don't stand a chance. Don't kill anybody, don't tell anybody. I'm too old for this. Are you as good as you say you are? Nobody can touch me. Suppose we better register you as a lethal weapon. You ever met anybody you didn't kill? Well, I haven't killed you yet. Alright guys, time to talk some Lethal Weapon 1. First off, let me just say this. Lethal Weapon, and I'm talking the series, is hands down my favorite cop series of all time. Always has, always will. There's a lot of really good cop series out there. Beverly Hills Cop, uh, The First Bad Boys. A lot of people would put Police Academy and stuff. But for me, nothing holds a candle to the Lethal Weapon series. It's from beginning to end amazing i mean there's only one movie in this series that is kind of weak for me but even that movie gets a very strong rating for me um i'll even kind of go a little bit ahead of myself and let you know that part two is my favorite of the whole entire series and uh you'll find out why when i get there next week but i love this whole entire series man i do it's always been my favorite there's so much great things to say about this series and I'm very, very, very excited to finally be doing this. This has been a series I've been talking about for a long time. And I uh, just never could find the right time to do it. And this kind of seems perfect to the road to 100 episodes to fit it in here. 
And uh, I know I've taken a break from doing a series, and I'm happy to come back to this, uh, you know, coming back to a series to do. I'm glad it's Lethal Weapon is essentially what I'm trying to get at. So let's get into this. Now, uh, for those of you who probably haven't seen this movie in quite a long time, here's essentially what the deal is. This movie came out in 1987, and it's a film written, uh, not written, but directed by Richard Donner. That, that would be AKA all you guys out there that love Superman the movie. That's right. Uh, his friends are supposed to call him Dick Donner, which is kind of funny, but uh, Richard Donner is the director of this film. Mel Gibson is Martin Riggs, and we have Danny Glover as uh, Murtaugh. Good times. And uh, they're both LAPD detectives, and your main bad guy is Gary Busey. It's kind of hilarious, and uh, but I got a lot of fun things to say about him. And uh, this movie is the beginning of a four-part series, and I'm so glad that it uh, ended at four, and they never continued after it. That's all I got to say. So let's go through the plot real quick and give you guys a little uh, heads up on what happened in this film, just in case you missed it. All right, so essentially we have LAPD homicide Sergeant Roger Murtaugh, which is Danny Glover. He's worried about getting old. He is uh, celebrating his 50th birthday, and he receives a message from this guy called Michael Hunsaker, which is played by Tom Atkins, which is from Halloween 3, for those of you who want to pull it into STL land. And he's this uh, Vietnam War friend who Murtaugh realizes he hasn't seen this guy over 12 years now uh, before he can meet with him though he gets called in to investigate this suicide that happens in the very beginning of the movie i mean it's a christmas movie and starts off with a naked suicide real crazy we'll get into that in a little bit Uh, he learns that this victim her name is amanda which is actually michael's daughter and then you'll get introduced to uh, mel gibson's character which is martin riggs and yeah he's a narcotic specialist now the first half of this film he's pretty much very suicidal he's dealing with the very tragic death of his wife she died in a car accident and uh you know riggs's superiors pretty much are very skeptical of him and they transfer him over to homicide and make him and Murtaugh basically partners because, uh, you know, they think he's maybe wants to draw the crazy pension. You know, there's just a lot of uh, a lot of worry about Riggs's character. So as they, you know, of course, drive each other crazy, they eventually will find out that Amanda's autopsy results show that she had taken drugs right before she had jumped. They were laced with uh, drain cleaner. So even though she jumped to her death, she technically in about 15 minutes, she would have died anyway. So it makes her death now a homicide versus a suicide. So after they form, you know, Michael Hudsacker, who claims that he was actually trying to contact Murtaugh to help her out to kind of get over the world of drugs. She actually got into prostitution at some point. Um, Then she got into hardcore pornography So Riggs and Murtaugh, they start to question a pimp that Amanda was connected to. And they find a drug lab that's on the premises. And then there's a brief gunfight that goes into play. Uh, Murtaugh, well not Murtaugh, he doesn't want Riggs to kill anybody. But he saves his life by uh, stopping the guy from shooting him. But he accidentally shoots him and he falls into a pool And, uh, you know, because of him saving his life, they kind of patch things up and they continue. They start to really work together. Uh, So they found drugs and the dead pimp. So Murtaugh assumes the case is closed. 
But Riggs, he thinks it's, as they like to say, it's too thin. You know, it's too nice. It doesn't make any sense. So, you know, Riggs finds it suspicious that the only witness to Amanda's suicide was this prostitute who her name was Dixie. And you find out that, uh, you know, she was working away on her usual midnight stroll. And uh, they deduced that, uh, you know, Dixie, she poisoned Amanda. And then she posed as a witness to cover a crime. You know, try to tie it up nice and neat, if you will. So as Riggs and Murtaugh, they head over to Dixie's home. They want to question her. Then her house explodes as they arrive. Then you find out that uh, Riggs, who, I mean, you find out earlier in the film, really, but he was a U.S. Army uh, Special Forces guy during the Vietnam War. And he finds part of a bomb. And the bomb is called, a.k.a. a mercury switch, which only the professionals would use at this time. So there's these neighborhood kids and they start uh, remembering the man with blonde hair who showed up at Dixie's earlier and had a special forces tattoo. It's kind of a real funny scene how it all goes into play. But anyways, they decide that they're going to go back and they're going to question Hunsaker about it. And uh, that he he, mo- he basically knows more than he's been admitting to. And they confront him. At, at, of all the places, they do it at Amanda's Wake. But uh, he eventually breaks down. He admits that for more than about two years... He's been involved in um, this heroin smuggling that's been going on. It's an operation that's run by former special operation guys from the Vietnam War. They like to call themselves Shadow Company. And the scheme is masterminded by this retired general, Peter McAllister, who's played by Mitchell Ryan, which another Halloween reference would be Dr. Wynn from Halloween 6. So, you know, the only thing we're missing in this movie is Donald Pleasance and Michael Myers, but that's that's another story. So, uh, the former commander of the Shadow Company, uh, his chief enforcer, you find out, uh, well, you kind of get introduced to him earlier in the film. His name's Joshua, or Mr. Joshua, played by the awesome Gary Busey. Now, there's going to be a lot of crap said about Gary Busey nowadays, but he was awesome in this movie. Uh, I'm going to kind of talk about him and, and my love for Gary Busey in a little bit. But essentially what you find out before he gets killed by Gary Busey is that he was laundering profits through his bank. He's essentially the perfect front. Uh, the reason why Amanda got murdered is that Michael had originally contacted Murtaugh uh, to basically let him know his attempts to get out of the business. They kind of find out about it, killed Amanda you know, as punishment, if you will. And then Murtaugh attempts to get Hunsaker to reveal the ident- you know, the whole like entirety of the operation. And, you know, he's just like, I can't do it. I can't do it, man. I'm in too deep. But then guess what? Joshua shows up, shoots him, kills him, and they're off. And they're kind of like they only have, you know, half the information. So Riggs and Murtaugh, they attempt to investigate Dixie's connection to this whole situation. So that's when Joshua uh, shows up, attempts to kill Riggs. Which, of course, he's wearing a bulletproof vest. He goes through a window, so they think he's dead. And they actually kidnap Murtaugh's daughter, uh, Rianne. And uh, this is kind of where the movie takes a dark turn. So Riggs is presumed dead, uh, which, of course, takes to their advantage because Murtaugh agrees to meet with the Shadow Company at this place called the the El Mirage Lake. And... In order to do, you know, of course, he says, if I do this, it's an exchange myself for my daughter, even though they know the shadow company plans to kill both of them anyways, they essentially have a backup plan. The backup plan is to have Riggs, 
who is a crazy sniper guy i mean this guy is like the best of the best if you will so he's like a thousand yards away and roger attempts to make uh Rian flee and uh unfortunately crap hits the fan all three of them get captured and then they all get tortured which we'll go into the details of the torturing in just a little bit but essentially what happens is that uh they're getting tortured because they want the information regarding the heroin shipment how much do the cops know and uh, they just they beat up uh, Murtaugh. You know, he actually got shot in the arm trying to rescue Rianne. So they actually pour like salt in his uh, arm. They're punching him in the face. Then you have Riggs who's getting electrocuted. And then you have, you know, Rianne who's probably getting raped. That's essentially what you're led to believe. But this is the late 80s. So they really didn't kind of touch into that subject too much. You know, as much as they do nowadays. So it's kind of left as a gray area. But if two of them are being tortured, they're not going to leave the other one not tortured. So you get where I'm going here. But essentially, uh, Riggs gets out of his, his electrocution and he goes and he rescues uh, Murtaugh and Rianne. Just, you know, basically, they're they're torturing him and they, they want to find out which of the shipments have been compromised. And, of course, they're going to threaten to harm Rianne and, uh, you know, because Murtaugh's refusing to give in. So just in the nick of time before they really do anything to her, he busts in, takes them all out. And uh, the three of them are on their way to uh, to get out of this nightclub. So now essentially Riggs is actually looking for Mr. Joshua because he gets out of the nightclub before they do. And Joshua hijacks his vehicle but Murtaugh, he tries to cut him off on foot, uh, cut him off on the freeway, but Joshua eventually escapes. Now, Murtaugh goes back looking for McAllister. He's like, you ain't living, and uh, he kills him. He takes him out. Now, uh, Murtaugh lets Riggs know, you know, Joshua got away. We got to get back to my house. The guy knows where I live. So, uh, you know, essentially they go back to their home knowing Joshua is going to go there to attack the Murtaugh family, but they're absent, of course. Joshua uh, gets busted, and instead of getting arrested, <laughs> Riggs is like, "You want a shot at the title?" And Joshua's like, "I accept." Now, what's cool is is that uh, Murtaugh, he's like got every, he's got all the cops back there. He's like, "Look, these guys are gonna beat it out. You know, I'm in full. I, I take full responsibility, so on and so forth. You know, it's just a, it's just great way to end this movie. So uh, essentially, Riggs just beats up Joshua doesn't kill him off he's like you know you're not worth it so as joshua is being arrested joshua actually overpowers one of the officers and he tries to shoot riggs but riggs and murtaugh they both draw their gun they kill joshua and uh you think the movie's over but uh you see riggs go up to his wife's grave and uh just tells her merry christmas he loves her and he attempts to go to the murtaugh home because earlier in the film there's this bullet a specific bullet that he uh, is trying to attempt to use to kill himself and he gives it over to uh you know he gives it to Rianne to give to Murtaugh and just say I'm not going to be needed anymore and he, and he comes out and uh, he's like you know you got to come in here you know you're going to be crazy if you think I'm going to eat my wife's cookies like I got a secret for you I'm not crazy he goes I know okay let's go eat and then he brings in his dog and uh, all is well and uh, the movie kind of ends so that's essentially what happens uh, overall story so let's get into the details of the stuff that i really really love in this film all right so the movie starts off and you immediately know that this is a christmas movie because you got jingle bell rock playing pretty awesome but one thing i really enjoy it's kind of subtle 
maybe you may not have noticed it. It really hits you once you see the director's name. But did you guys notice the way that the words are up on screen? Does it not remind you of Superman anybody with the 3D kind of letters? Good times. As soon as I saw Richard Donner, because I, I think I kind of forgot that he was the director of this film. As soon as I saw Richard Donner and the way it was written looks just like the way it was written in Superman the movie. I was like, ah, good times. So that was kind of a nice little touch. Now, can we say that this is one jacked up way to start off your movie? Not only is this a Christmas movie, but your first scene, you have a girl, she's naked, she's doing drugs, and she goes out the window and she kills herself. And you're like, not only is this a jacked up way to start off your movie, but what a jacked up way to start off Christmas movie, right? So, I mean, most people call me crazy for saying that Gremlins is my favorite Christmas movie of all time. But Gremlins ain't got nothing on this movie compared to this beginning. That's all I got to say. But but I do really think that this is a great way to start off the movie because you're starting the movie off with a like punch in the face. You know, it immediately gets your attention, which some movies have a problem of starting off uh, in a good way. You know, they kind of start off slow. Not Lethal Weapon. Lethal Weapon immediately slaps you in the face and say, let's go. Now, when we get introduced to uh, to Danny Glover's character, Roger Murtaugh, and uh, it's his 50th, birth- his 50th birthday. He's sitting in the tub. He's got his beard going. It's all gray. I really like the jazz sound that plays. Kind of whenever something is said to him and he's just feeling old. It usually happens when I'm too old for this, you know, crap. And I just love that sound they make. And that's essentially where Rianne uh, says, you know, your beard is looking gray, but I still love you. And he looks over at himself in the mirror and they play that real funny like saxophone sound. You know, I, I like to call it jazz, if you will. But I really dig it. They play it at various times in the movie. And it's just a nice subtle touch whenever I hear that sound. And it's a continuous thing. You know, one thing that's great about this series Uh, Let me just start off by saying this series is very, very consistent. You have the same family the whole entire series. Uh, And I'm talking about Murtaugh's family. You actually get to see the kids grow as the movies progress. You know, some movies, they'll replace actors or actresses. You know, as we know, in National Lampoons, it's kind of a joke to replace, uh, you know, the, the son and the daughter. But... For this movie or this series, you have the same characters, which is what I really enjoyed about Bad Boys 2. As much as a lot of people hate that movie, is you got to see Martin Lawrence's family, the same exact characters, you know. And granted, this was done in four movies. So I really love the consistency. You know, you have the same joke of, I'm too old for this crap throughout the series. You have the same family throughout the series. You have uh, character development, not just in one movie, but in four movies. You know, as we get to the very end of the series, we'll talk about how. Murtaugh and Riggs have changed and how the family has changed and how there's just so much development in these characters and the problems and tribulations they went through. I just love the consistency. That's, I think, one of the biggest reasons why this is such a humongous fan favorite cop buddy film or series is the consistency that rolls through. They don't just uh, do something and not use it again later. You know, for example, uh, and they introduce the uh, dislocation shoulder in part two. They use that again in part four. You know, so it's pretty awesome. I really dig it. And this jazz sound, as I like to call it, or the saxophone they play, can be heard uh, at various times throughout the series, which is pretty cool. As far as I remember, I, I may be off on that saxophone, 
But I definitely know that I'm too old for this crap is definitely throughout the series and and various uh, certain things are throughout the series. So it's good times. Okay, now I have to talk about something that's really, really weird. I don't know what's going on, but I'm talking about the introduction to Riggs here. Now, I have the director's cut to the whole entire series. Now, I swear I have no idea what's going on here, but... I've never seen this sniper scene before. In my mind, I have always popped in my video uh, or DVD, and I've this is where you know normally you see Riggs get out of bed, he's naked, and then the next time you see him, he's at the drug bust. But if you have the director's cut, they're dealing with the school shootings, you know, which, uh, as we know, is such a terrible thing. But I remember Riggs going into the classroom with the guy holding a hostage and one of the girls is Nikki Cox who Nikki Cox is from uh, Las Vegas or she's in she's been in various television shows and he actually takes out the hostage by throwing him out the window and then I get the sniper scene I'm like what the hell is this I've never seen this before I swear it's like my DVD got changed I don't ever remember the sniper scene I only remember him going into the classroom and taking this kid out through the window so I have no idea what's going on here but I, I guess it's just me I guess I'm going crazy because when I listen to other people this is the scene they have they have the sniper scene when I look on YouTube it's a sniper scene I can't find this scene anywhere I have no idea how I've seen this scene I don't know if maybe it was made for TV you know maybe I watched the TV version and you know how sometimes they create scenes for television and they throw it in there and maybe they thought the sniper scene was too hardcore, so they made this one. Maybe that's it. I don't know. I'm getting it confused, but I really do not ever remember the sniper scene. So, But there, there is one thing that I really do actually like about it is how Riggs shows up and he finds out that there's going to be backup. And he's like, okay, I'm just going to leave until a mother gets her child back. And just starts, and the other parents start crying. Well, what about my baby? What about my baby? He sits there and he thinks, and he's like, you know what? I got nothing to live for. I got nothing to lose. I'm gonna take the. I'm gonna take care of this guy. I did really enjoy that. That was pretty awesome. It really showed you the the flip side of his suicidal coin, which was pretty cool. So as bad and as terrible and horrible as school shootings are, and how real they are, especially nowadays with how much they're happening. It just really this scene, um, you know, as different as it was for me to experience, I did enjoy that aspect of his character of uh, just saying, you know what, I'm going to take out this guy for these kids because, you know, they deserve to live and I don't. That was pretty awesome. Now, uh, going back to Murtaugh's house, did you guys notice on top of the fridge there's the cat eating, uh, which is it's just like how the, you know. Letting your cat eat on top of your fridge, that's kind of cruel, don't you think? You know, it's all hot up there and nasty. And wouldn't you want your cat to eat on the floor? But no, they have the cat eating on top of the fridge. I mean, what if you open the freezer and the cat food falls in the freezer? It's kind of disgusting. But, you know, it's just no big deal. I just thought it was kind of random and just kind of funny when I saw that there. But what I really dig is just how the whole family situation is just set up. 
you kind of get a walk through the house and, and the kids. And then Rianne comes down the stairs in her dress and they play the, the, you know, the jazz music again. And it's just like, he's just like, oh man, I can't believe I have to deal with my daughter getting old, uh, older and starting to date, you know, just the father's word streams, right? But, and of course we will deal later with the family, but I like when we go back to Riggs, you know, this is prior to him leaving for the day to go to the, his first call was a sniper. Second call was a drug bust, but we see the busted TV. You know, if you don't watch the director's cut, you will eventually see a busted TV and his new TV sitting on top of it. And you kind of wonder how that happened. Well, he just kind of snaps, throws his beer bottle at the TV. He breaks it. And then his wedding picture gets knocked down. It's the first time you see his wedding, his wedding picture. And he just says, I'm sorry, I'll buy you a new one, referring to their TV that they had together. So, uh, you know, like I said, I, I can't really say too much about his uh, his suicidal stuff, just that Mel Gibson does a great job at it. It's very effective. And what I really enjoy is how we really deal with it for the first half of this movie, and then we don't really deal with it too much the rest of the series which is great. I mean, they spend the first half the first half of the film really cementing how crazy he is in regards to what he will do, but how much of a, you know, lethal weapon he really is. And then the second half deals with the true partnership of Murtaugh and Riggs and building their relationship. And then the rest of the series, you know, in the end of part two where he's just like, I know that look in your eyes. You know, he knows he's seen the, the worst side of Riggs that nobody else has ever seen, you know. And then he gets to see the best side of Riggs that nobody ever gets to see. And that's that's what you love about this series. And this, this plants the seed for what you're going to get the rest of the series. And I just love it. All right. So then we get the, uh, the cock of the head from uh, Murtaugh, which is something that he does where... He uh, slowly, you know, turns his head all the way around. You hear the crack in his neck. And then he uh, pulls out his gun and he shoots, which is effectively done in the end of part two, which I cannot wait to talk about. But I just love it, man. He does that right before he shoots later on in the film as kind of the shooting competition. And I always love it whenever he cocks his head like that and just goes all the way around and then pulls out his gun and shoots. It's great stuff. Uh, that's something I really enjoy throughout the rest of the series. All right, now if you're watching the regular edition and you are getting introduced to Riggs, you know this is after he, you know, you first see him naked and then you see him at the drug bust. I really like this scene. It's kind of funny, especially when he pulls out the hundred dollars and he's like, "Look, man, you're screwing me up. You're making me lose count." And he goes, one hundred thousand, one hundred thousand. I just really like this whole entire scene. It's uh, it's funny. It's action packed. And uh, it just kind of shows you a little bit of the crazy side of what he'll be willing to do versus if you've seen the director's cut, you already know the crazy side of what he's going to do. So, But then immediately after we have such kind of a fun scene, if you will, then we get the real serious stuff where he's sitting down, picture in his hand, gun in his lap, it has the bullet, and uh, it's just wanting to, you know, trying to attempt to do suicide. And it's just, it's such a good effective scene uh it's very very well done and uh you know i'm telling you man i don't care what anybody says about mel gibson he's a great actor he really is i don't you know i know he kind of went crazy and off the wall uh 
shortly after he made the Passion of the Christ, and I think that's kind of when things started going downhill for him. But you know what? I've always loved him, and for me, he's always Riggs. I don't ever really look at him and associate him with uh, his personal life versus his movie life. Uh, there's a lot of roles I really dig him in, like Ransom. I really enjoy him in that movie. Burn on a Wire, eh, it's kind of a dumb movie. Uh, Air America, I've actually never seen before with good old Robert Downey Jr., a.k.a. Iron Man, and they kind of make an Air America joke in, in this movie. But, of course, Air America, I believe, took place after this. But I just always have loved Mel Gibson, and I love Danny Glover. It's like this movie is lightning in a bottle, and the whole series is lightning in a bottle. They were able to recreate it so many times, just the brilliance of this movie. And those two work so great together. But I just love Mel Gibson, man. He's he's an excellent actor. And this whole, this really shows you how good he is just in this scene. It's really believable. It's good stuff. Okay, now let's talk about the captain. Now, the captain really isn't in this movie too much. You know, you kind of get introduced to him when the uh, psychiatrist is trying to warn him about Riggs and having him in this homicide division and how crazy he is and you know, he's just kind of kind of sticking up for Riggs and just saying, look, is that really going to happen? And, you know, if he offs himself, then we both know, then we'll, then we'll both know that I'm wrong. But if you guys know the captain here, uh, this guy, if you watch Superman, he was uh, the guy, one of the two detectives that were following Otis in, uh, I guess his name was Armis, which was really cool. And it's just cool that, you know, Richard Donner, Brought back, brought back this guy. And if I remember correctly, if I if I read this right somewhere, there it's actually his brother-in-law, which is one of the reasons why he brought him to be in the Lethal Weapon series as Captain Ed Murphy. So you'll really get to see him more as the sequels progress. But it's good times. As soon as I saw him, I instantly remembered him in Superman. Now, for those of you who are wondering who the psychiatrist is, the uh, you know the one that just says that Riggs is crazy, who is actually in all of the series as well and who eventually will grow a nice relationship with Riggs but you'll probably know her as uh, from the Goonies uh, she was Mike and uh, Brandy's mom she was also in the Monster Squad uh, as Emily if you remember uh, I believe she's actually in uh, Die Hard if I remember right but uh, she's in Ghostbusters 2 she was in Scrooge so uh, oh yeah, Ghostbusters 2. That's where she's the mom. Uh, who, the birthday party. She, yeah, she's one of those ladies that just randomly show up in movies, and I always know her, but I'm always like, where do I know her from? So it usually takes me a little bit. I usually always compare her to Monster Squad is where I remember her the most from, and then the Lethal Weapon series. So uh, she's not in this movie a whole lot, but she will be as the series goes on. So she's pretty good times as well. All right, so our boys get together first time. You know, Murtaugh thinks that Riggs is a criminal, but he finds out that's his partner. And I like as they're walking and they're kind of discussing their guns. You know, when I was a kid and I saw, uh, I remember the Lethal Weapon 3 cover shows Mel Gibson holding his uh, 9mm Beretta and you have Joe Pesci in the background. And I just always played that particular poster when I play Cops and Robbers. I always had, I always made sure my toy gun looked just like that 9mm Beretta. That's the one I always wanted to have. And I'll never, I'll never forget this. Uh, when I was in Chicago, me and my friends, they, there was a lot of, there's a lot of alleys in Chicago, of course. And uh, me and my one friend, we were walking and we were playing Cops and Robbers. And all of a sudden, this car pulls up. 
and throws this over the hood and they start to put my hands behind my back and they start to pat me down and they pulled this over because they thought we had real guns but it's because my toy gun if you remember back in the day toy guns were able to look real it just had like a silver like plate at the very end yeah, uh, and of course he told me get rid of these toy guns. He actually didn't confiscate them. I still have them; they're in my closet. I just never pull them out. But it just—this eh, was always my gun, man—the nine millimeter Beretta that I'd always play cops and robbers with. Of course, I was always the cop. I was never the robber. I was always Riggs, man. That was my dude. So, but yeah, good times, man. I like the story of them comparing. You know, oh yeah, uh, that's a great weapon you have there. And oh yeah, a lot of old old timers carries six shooters. You know, that's kind of where the joking begins. Good stuff. All right, now let's talk about uh, Mr. Joshua, good old Gary Busey. Now, for me, Gary Busey, I love this guy. I think the first movie I ever saw him in was uh, Silver Bullet, and then I actually watched DC Cab because of Gary Busey. Uh, I'm a big fan of Gary Busey. I know nowadays, I mean, he's really off of his rocker. Uh, I believe at one point he actually, uh, I know he got into a a motorcycle accident and had to have a lot of uh, surgery and stuff. Uh, it's possible maybe he has brain damage now who knows but for me man he's very effective in this movie very intimidating you know you gotta love the big teeth but my favorite movie will always be silver bullet that will always be my favorite movie with him in it he was just he was just great he had a lot of heart in that movie he really didn't have any crazy moments dc cab he was totally crazy in that movie but I love him in this movie, man. He was really good. Very effective. I definitely dig Gary Busey as Mr. Joshua. And, uh, and yeah, I can't say nothing. I can't say anything bad about Gary Busey. I love this guy. I mean, it is funny watching him on Dumbest Criminals, uh, just making fun of people. And he says the weirdest crap. But I just always remember him, though, man, as uh, Uncle Red on uh silver bullet you know i'm always gonna have fond memories of this guy all right now our main bad guy i guess the guy uh in charge i mean he is a general he's the guy over mr joshua uh mr general peter McAllister. it's played by mitchell ryan and i know this guy from halloween six he was dr win and it just cracks me up man when i see tom atkins who plays michael hunsacker and then i see this guy, Dr. Wynn, I'm just like, man, where's Michael Myers at? You know, it just, it was good times. I mean, this guy, he's just, you know, he's the guy that just tells everybody what to do. You know, I definitely think that Mr. Joshua is more effective than this guy. And I think he was supposed to be. I think he was supposed to be the main bad guy of the movie. So uh, this guy, he's he's not bad. I mean, he's not terrible by any sense. Uh, he isn't the best bad guy of the series, but uh, he's he's pretty good you know i definitely out of two thumbs i'd probably give him one thumb up uh but definitely mr joshua gets two thumbs up he was good times so but i just like i just like the halloween reference it was funny but the best scene with him though that i absolutely love is when they get that guy uh, goes in a dance club and they're trying to get him to say make a deal with us and he, that's when Mr. Joshua gets his arm burned with the lighter. And the guy's like, you guys are gone, man. You guys are like Pluto. You're out there. You know, I just, I love that guy. It's one of the scenes that I constantly will laugh at. No matter how many times I see this movie, there's various scenes throughout this film that I will always laugh at. And those are one of the scenes. 
Now, uh, you're probably wondering what my favorite scene of the whole entire movie is, and that's the jump, the jumper scene where uh, Riggs goes up and you got the crazy guy who's just like, don't touch me. I didn't do anything wrong, you know, and he's like, dude, you're trying to don't make me look bad, you know, and then he puts the cuffs on him. Do you want to jump? Do you? Well, come on, a-hole. Let's go and jump, you know, and then they I just that whole scene is my absolute favorite scene. But uh, shortly after that, though, is a scene that happens immediately after that which is could almost take that spot because it's the flip side of the coin that scene is real funny and then you get the serious stuff where i always love when murtaugh yells at Riggs. it's just great but especially in this movie because he's so upset and he so doesn't know how to deal with the situation where he's like come here here with me get in here now you know and they go in there and he slams the door and he goes do you want to kill yourself you know and they have the whole conversation that's when he talks about the bullet and eventually you know he's like yeah put it under your chin yeah yeah and he almost pulls the trigger and his thumb stops it and and then he just says you really are crazy and he goes i'm hungry i'm gonna go get something to eat that is uh a very close very close uh second best scene for me is that one right there i mean technically speaking that's way better of a scene than the jumping scene the jumping scene is just fun that scene acting wise is so much better but it just i have so much fun with that with that jumping scene because it's just so rigs you know it's kind of kind of him in a nutshell basically he's just all sweet and soft and caring and then immediately will snap on you in an instant and and take you down so good times now uh, shortly after that scene is where you know he makes the phone call finds out you know hey he's just dealing with a lot of hard times he's on the phone with the psychologist and he's just like great he's got that big car phone uh, or cellular phone or whatever you want to call it i mean it's on the huge box it's ridiculous looking and then Riggs is just like what did you have a bad phone call or something and and that's when he starts to go off about how his life is over don't talk to me I'm a dead man I'm a dead man he goes watch how you're driving and he goes I've been driving before you were an itch in your daddy's pants oh I always laugh at that so bad but what I love is just Riggs sense of humor where he's just like you know what happy birthday man really I sincerely mean that you know if we live long enough I'll buy your birthday present you know, just because of how nice you've been to me. And that's when Murtaugh just kind of kind of changes. It just starts to laugh and uh, and kind of starts to build the trust. But what officially changes this whole entire movie is the pool scene where he's like, you know what? Yeah, you see that? I shot him in the leg. He's not dead. He can be questioned. And the guy stands up, pulls out a gun. And then Riggs says, gun. He puts it up in the air and they look at each other. He goes in the pool. And um, then he goes up to him eventually after they dry off and just say, hey, man, all that stuff I said about you, I'm sorry. You saved my life. And Riggs is just like, but that was really hard for you to do. But that really is the turning point because at that point, uh, he understands that Riggs is there for him and uh, brings it back to the house. And this is really where their partnership begins to come into, you know, it's kind of like the seed has been planted and the rest of the film, you know, kind of puts water on the seed and it starts to grow. That's really the turning point of those two guys coming together. And I love it. And the whole family scene is one of the best scenes of the whole entire film. There's a lot of great scenes in this, but I really enjoy the family scene because, I mean, it kind of reminds me of myself. I come home from work. The first thing I do is, is not, hey, how you doing? It's like, 
you know, get your feet off the couch. You know, I'm like, I'm yelling at the kids and then I'll be like, hey, how you doing? How was your day? That kind of thing, you know. So I love the whole family thing. The rap was great. Rianne, you know, pretty much being in love with Riggs and the kids are just like, ah, oh, it was pretty good, you know. And you just kind of see the family dynamic, which builds throughout the series. I just love the consistency of that. And I don't know, man, it's just so good. I really enjoy it. Now, um, I've heard a lot of people say that this is their favorite scene, which uh, I would never argue that. And I really enjoy it when uh, he's walking Riggs out and, you know, we establish some few things. You know, uh, your wife takes out the trash. You don't know nothing about sailboats, but you got a hell of a great family. And uh, he's like, you don't trust me, do you? I'll tell you what, if you make it through tomorrow and you don't kill anybody, including yourself or me, then I'll start trusting you. And he goes, you know, uh, that's, and then it's when he talks about how I was 19 years old. I took a guy out from a thousand yards and high wind is the only thing I was ever good at. And Murtaugh just kind of realizes just how like, you know, how awesome that is. And he's like, you really like my wife's cooking. And you could just see Riggs staring at him like, well, if I say, yeah, that's what he wants me to say. So I'm just going to say no. And I think that kind of gave Murtaugh a little bit more respect for Riggs because he just said no. He goes, I'll see you tomorrow. You know, it was it was a really beautiful scene. It's good stuff. Okay, now, if you've watched the director's cut, immediately after that, Riggs picks up a prostitute, pays her 100 bucks, and just asks her to watch Three Stooges with him. And she's like, really? And he goes, yeah. And, you know, at first he's like, what's your real age? You know, and, you know, whatever you want me to be. I'm 22. No, you know, BS. What's your age? 19. And gives her 100 bucks. Says, what do you want me to do? Just go home and watch Three Stooges with me. We got 20 minutes to make it home. I like that scene. You know, I, I get the director's cut. I get why they cut out the sniper scene. Makes perfect sense. Uh, I think they should have left this one in. It was kind of cool because it showed you that he doesn't want to be with other women uh, you know, sexually, he wants to be with them as a companion, you know? So I really dig that, man. I think they should have left that in. It was pretty cool that he was just, you know, he's so desperate for love and affection and he's just so, so empty inside that he, you know, wants to pay a, a woman just to kind of, you know, be in the place of his ex, uh, of his dead, you know, of his dead widow. So, but at the same time, the movie is kind of long. It, maybe they considered it to slow things down. So, you know, no big deal. I, I go with it. It's fine. So now another classic scene of Murtaugh yelling at Riggs. He puts the coffee cup up to his nose, wakes him up. He's like, man, I, I've been thinking a lot, you know, and I don't really think, you know, this whole Dixie thing. And he's just like, yeah, yeah, you gotta, gotta take a shower. I gotta take a shower. Give me that cup and get, get out of here. I always love when Murtaugh yells at Riggs. It's great. Now, a priceless scene that is always a good time is the uh, shootout scene. You know, they're both sitting there. They're shooting. They're target practicing. They're talking about Dixie. And uh, I love when he's like, she actually says, you know, and then he shoots as he says the S word. And then they kind of have a competition. You know, he cocks his head, turns it around, shoots it in the head and says, not bad for an old man. And then here you go. You see Riggs pushing the button, goes all the way to the back. I mean, it. You just see him whistling. And it's taking forever. And then he shoots, makes a smiley face, brings it back. Have a nice day. I don't know. It's just such a good scene. And the this is the kind of scene that is created multiple times throughout the series. You know, uh, Unlike a lot of series who try to replicate the first movie, I think Lethal Weapon does a great job of 
continuing the first movie and taking the scenes you know and love and making them either better or reminiscent or I don't know, man. It's good stuff. That's why I can't wait to talk about part two, three, and four because there's so much callback to the first movie. All this consistency is why I love this series so much. Now, this one scene I don't think is dumb, but I... It may be the really only scene or one of the only scenes that I really roll my eyes at. And that's the Alfred scene where they go up and after Dixie's house blows up and you have the kids there. These kids are really obnoxious. I think they're supposed to be. But when he's just like, it's Alfred. Hey, everybody. Meet Alfred. Alfred, how you doing? Alfred, hi. You know, he just kind of goes way over the top with the Alfred love. And then the worst part, though, is Riggs randomly comes up and shifts his shoulder so that way the tattoo can be seen. It was like so obvious that, hey, guess what? Got to change positions here so that way the kid can see your tattoo. You know, that's really the only scene that I'm just like, oh, I don't know. You know, it had to be there. It sets up for the second half of the film. But the execution of it just kind of made me roll my eyes a little bit. It's one of those scenes that I cringe at, but it's not terrible. But I'm just like, eh, it's a one thumb up versus two thumb up kind of scene. So, But in that scene, though, they make they do the Air America, talking about the Air Americas after they find the Mercury switch. And it just reminded me how I've never seen Air America yet with uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Mel Gibson. I don't know why. I just never got around to it. And I know you guys are probably yelling at me, how can you not have seen Air America? I just never did, but I got the reference. I loved it. And I'm sure Air America came after this movie. Which, uh, yeah, it did. I just checked it out right here. Yep, Air America came out after Lethal Weapon 2. But I wonder if Mel Gibson kind of made any Air America jokes when he was making the movie. Like, hey, I brought back, I was talking about Air America while I was making Lethal Weapon 1. But, nah, probably not. Who cares? But um, there's one scene, though, that, you know, when I listen to uh, Flick's review, they made a real interesting good point. And that was, why was Riggs and Murtaugh on the street investigating you know, talking to prostitutes, you know, and it's true. It really doesn't make any sense. I guess if you read the plot synopsis, supposedly they're attempting to investigate Dixie's connection, but it really is probably just to set up for their second half of the film, which, you know, I know you have to have, I guess, a lead in scene to set things up. This is it. Just kind of the execution was a little bit bad. There should have been kind of another reason why they should have been on the street, I guess. Maybe I missed it. I don't know. I did watch it twice just to see, like, who's in the picture because they were showing a picture like, you know, she knew this guy. But I didn't know who the guy was in the picture. I missed that. But I like the scene, though, itself where he gets shot, goes to the window and it sets up the rest of the film where it goes into a darker half. That's cool. It's just the whole being on the street talking to prostitutes. That was kind of, you know, exposition maybe. I don't know. But I totally agree with what Jason and Dan said about that scene. But overall, though, I, I like how we take a darker turn now as we go into the second half of the film. And that's where things get really awesome. You know, after Riggs gets up and uh, he goes, that's the same guy that took out Hudsacker. I never forget an a-hole, you know, and uh, I love when Murtaugh's like, you know, two inches above, it would have been your head. And and Riggs says, yeah, well, two inches below, I would have been a falsetto for the rest of my life. You know, I love the joking that's made throughout this. Like when Dixie's house blows up, you see Riggs uh, on fire and Murtaugh's trying to 
to stop the fire. He goes, what are you gay? He goes, no, I'm just trying to get the fire out of you. You know, you, I, there were little things that I caught that I never caught before. And, uh, one of them was, uh, the note. I never really read the note. I just assumed that it said that, you know, we have your daughter, but I actually paused and read the note and it says, your daughter looks really pretty naked. So obviously the picture is a Polaroid of her naked. So uh, that kind of uh, answers that question. I guess I never really paid attention to what it actually said. But I do want to say that if she really was naked in the Polaroid, he sure was looking at it for a long time. So I'm hoping he was just in shock or something because if she was naked, he should have kind of put it down right away because it is his daughter. But it's just a little thing. It doesn't definitely drop any stars off the movie or anything like that. But I just noticed that. I was like, well, if they sent you a note that said your daughter looks pretty naked and you have a Polaroid, chances are she's naked. Why are you staring at it for so long? You know, so it was like about a good three seconds before his wife came to the top of the stairs. So that's why I just kind of noticed that. I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. But I definitely like the uh, the tension that's brought in here where you see Riggs say, you know what? We're going to do things. We're going to do things my way. You shoot, you shoot to kill, and you make sure you don't miss anybody. And you just hear Murtaugh say, are you really crazy or are you as good as you say you really are? I definitely like that setup, man. That's pretty awesome. Now, I don't need to say enough good things about the desert scene. The desert scene, number one, looks beautiful. It's pretty intense. Uh, I just love the setup and the confrontation between the bad guys and Riggs shooting the guys and just the uh, the car chase and just the whole entire scene is just really good stuff. I really, really enjoy it. I can't say enough good stuff about the desert scene. It's uh, really sets up for, I mean, you would almost think it could be a climax of a movie, but instead it's like, nah, we're just giving you a little piece of the pie. You're not even close to the ending that we're going to give you. So that's probably why I really dig the desert scene so much is because it's setting up for an even crazier ending that you're going to be getting. Now, one thing I did notice in this viewing that I hadn't noticed before is uh, all our good guys, they get uh, they get captured. So we have Riggs that got captured first, and then we have Murtaugh. Now, I never noticed this before, but he was crying, you know, when, you know, they were shooting around him. He puts his hands behind his head, and I just saw tears coming down his eye. And I'm not saying he's crying because he got captured. I'm just saying he's crying because of Rianne. Uh, may not have gotten away. You know, it's probably his biggest fear. But I never noticed it before. And all all my viewings, I can't believe I missed that. But I can't believe the uh, the torture that these guys had to go through, man. Uh, crazy. Your good guys, I mean, talk about a dark turn. Your good guys are totally being tortured here. You have uh, Riggs, who they don't think knows anything. They don't really need. So they're just going to electrocute him. Then you have Murtaugh, who they're beating the crap out of. And then, not only is he shot, but they decided to pour salt all over his wound. And then you have his daughter, who comes in wearing, like, uh, undergarments. So, obviously, they're not going to let her get away scot-free with no torture if they're doing that to these two guys. Obviously, these guys don't care. So, you just have to kind of assume the worst. It's never said. It's a gray area, but... Two and two equal four. Okay, that's all I gotta say. Now um, I dig the scene though, man. Uh, I like the guy that's electrocuting Riggs because this guy, I mean, come on, and he's a bad guy in every movie. You know, Big Trouble in Little China, any Bruce Lee movie, any Brandon Lee movie. This guy is all over the place. I have no idea what his name is, so 
Nobody complained to me and say, oh, you don't know who he is. But I actually got to hear him talk in this movie. He said, uh, uh, he doesn't know anything. Nobody can take that. I never hear this guy talk. And he's great in Big Trouble in Little China. He was awesome. And uh, he's great in a lot of kung fu movies. Uh, he's, he's just the typical, you know, bad guy. Now, what I love is when Riggs gets away and he goes and rescues Murtaugh right before things start to go crazy. There's this running line throughout the film, pretty thin, and it's basically about the investigation. And I love it when Murtaugh, all crappy looking, just smiles and says, pretty thin, huh? And you just hear Riggs say, anorexic. I do love the pretty thin joke. It's it's some good times. Now, uh, one scene when they, uh, you know, they get out... And they go into the nightclub and one of the bad guys, uh, Riggs, shoots him. How is it nobody in the nightclub heard that? You know, I'm sorry. I know a couple a couple seconds later, eventually everybody in the club hears gunfire. But wouldn't you hear a gunshot in a nightclub? So that was just kind of like, okay, why did nobody hear that? But, you know, it's a little thing. You know, I, I kind of go along with it. But I do question every time I see them. Like, seriously, somebody should have heard a gunshot going off. But what I do love, though, is uh, when Riggs is running after Joshua and you just have uh, Murtaugh, he's just tore up, he's just exhausted, and he's just like, you know what, General, you're not going to live. And it's, you know, you see a Murtaugh who's all about not killing, all about shooting in the knees or legs, and he just wants to take this guy down because, you know what, he crossed the line, he took his family, and you're going to pay for it. So, good stuff. And uh, after he shoots the driver and then, of course, uh, the driver, because he's shot in the head and the captain can't uh, uh, get the wheel straight, he has the uh, the heroin in the back seat with some grenades. He flips over after he gets hit by a bus and the, it eventually blows up. I do love when Riggs shows up and he's like, man, don't be breathing this stuff in or you're going to see Elvis, you know, referring to the heroin in the air. That was funny. I never caught that line either. And then we get the big fight, uh, which I really dig this because unlike last episode on just one of the guys where Jameson and I, we pretty much tore up the ending of the fight scene, how choreographed it was just so terrible and uh, so fake looking in this fight, really good. I mean, you got a fire hydrant that's just spewing out water. You got a real brutal fight. Choreography looks great. Mel Gibson's really beating the crap out of Gary Busey. And the way that the helicopter light shining down and the various sirens going around, it kind of blurs things a little bit. So it kind of makes it kind of a real raw kind of fighting. But in the background, you just hear, you just see Murtaugh. No, this is my responsibility. You know, don't do nothing. Let him fight, blah, 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 blah. And I just dig it. It's good stuff. And uh, then when we get to the ending. Now, I'm not sure if you guys have checked out the alternate ending. Even though this is the director's cut, there's actually two scenes that I've looked up to see uh, cut scenes that aren't even in this director's cut. One is early in the film where uh, Riggs is in a bar and he goes to the bathroom he comes out and these two guys try to get his money he breaks their arm and the guy just says keep the bottle and then you get the alternate ending where you know Riggs and Murtaugh depart from each other and uh, Murtaugh says he's going to quit the force Riggs says no don't do that you're too old for that and they just they give each other you know uh, handshake and and they, he just kind of smiles, but uh, Richard Donner cut that because he thought he could make sequels out of these films, 
which thank God he did. Otherwise, you know, we would only have one of these movies. But the ending we get is really awesome because um, you have Riggs going up to his wife's grave who just, you know, he's smiling and saying, you know, I love you. Merry Christmas. He goes up to uh, Murtaugh's house, which has been trashed by a car driving through it. And Rianne opens the door and he's like, how you doing? And she goes, eh, I'm doing all right. I-, I think she's handling things pretty well for being probably tortured and raped, I have to say, especially at her age. But hey, this is the late 80s. They didn't want to get into it. And this is the end of the film. You want to have a happy joy, joy moment, I guess. But I love how he hands the bullet and just says, I don't need it anymore. So you have Riggs who's coming to, uh, you know, character development of not being suicidal anymore. And I just love when Murtaugh comes out and says, you know, if you're going to make me eat my wife's cooking, you're crazy. He didn't mean that as in you're crazy, crazy, just as in a normal person would say to their friends, dude, you're crazy if you don't do this, you know. And I love him. He's like, I'll tell you a secret. What's that? I'm not crazy. Oh, I know. And then he's like, okay, let's go eat. You know, I love that. But uh, I wanted to bring up real quick uh, something I missed uh, earlier in the film was the uh, was the partner thing was where right after the fight, uh, Murtaugh picks up Riggs and says, come here, you know, I got your partner. And if you notice, uh, which I kind of really didn't pay attention to too much, but when Joshua gets up, they both shoot him at the same time, which obviously clearly you can see that they do it at the same time. But it just seems like at this point in the game, they're officially cemented as partners because for the first time in the film, Murtaugh is called Riggs' partner, and then they both killed the bad guy at the exact same time, the same way, pretty much in the same spot and then they both put their guns down at the same time so it's like they have officially cemented their relationship as partners and that's something i really didn't notice too much that i noticed now that made me love this movie even more and really set up the rest of the series for me so man i'll tell you that's that's the review uh as far as my rating goes um i've told you i love part two more than i love part one part two is my favorite and that's just because it takes so much of the great stuff of this movie and expands on and joe pesci is so great in that movie and as far as this movie goes since i'm not talking part two yet that's next week just talking this movie in general as far as like the uh, problems go with this movie I really only had little tiny nitpicks, you know, the ones that I mentioned earlier in the review. I didn't have any problems with the story. I didn't have any problems with the characters, the bad guys. Everybody was solid for me from beginning to end. Uh, I definitely enjoyed the ending of the film where Riggs, you know, has something to live for now. You know, as I kind of have brought, you know, in the, earlier in the film, he has nothing to live for versus now. It's like he kind of got the family he never had before. You know, he's now kind of been inducted into the Murtaugh family and he has something to live for now. He's kind of, uh, you know, he hasn't gotten over his wife, but he's accepted it and he's kind of moved on and he just has a new sense of life. And that just, I mean, that really shows from beginning to end of the movie. So overall, man, I got to go with, if not a five star, a very strong four and a half week five stars for me i mean this movie is just really great outside of the minor nitpicks that i had which are very tiny uh if anything this movie really is a five star for me it's just so really just so great 
And uh, it'll be interesting to see when I watch part two, even though part two is my favorite, to see if it's a better film than part one. Because there's a difference between liking a sequel over the original, but actually having the sequel be a better film than the original movie. So that's what I'm going to be interested in kind of uh, checking out because I haven't watched part two in quite a long time. But for this review, I'm definitely going to go with the week five, a very, very strong salad four and a half. That's my stance on this one. So that's my review, guys, of Lethal Weapon. So let's hear what the STL Nation had to say. All right, so last night I made the call for emails on the Underground Hour episode, and you guys have delivered. Here we go. Uh, the first email comes from Cheerful Charlie. He said, hey, STL fans, sorry, guys and gals in STL Nation. I've been busy packing, getting ready to be married. Congratulations, sir. So uh, been busy, but I am definitely looking forward to the Lethal Weapon franchise to be reviewed. It's one of the great cop, uh, cop franchises other than the Police Academy series, which I love to see reviewed. I can't say it will, I can't say it won't, but it's definitely not something that will happen anytime soon, sir. But he goes on to say that uh, this movie with Mel Gibson and Danny Glover, directed by Richard Donner, who also directed the original Superman movies as well as The Omen, this movie is just great. Love it. So that's uh, what Cheerful Charlie had to say. So thank you, sir, for writing in. So our next email comes from Anthony the Epic Emailer. Haven't heard from you in a while, sir. Good times. Here's what he had to say. Hello there, Masuna. Sorry that I haven't been able to send uh, many emails lately. Been busy with other things that I haven't had a chance to type up one for you. No problem, sir. When it comes to the Lethal Weapon series, I have to say I that I enjoy it. All the movies are good in one way or another and are worthy to be checked out. The first movie was a great way to start up the series. How Riggs and Murtaugh interacted was terrific and was one of the main reasons why the series as a whole worked. Starting off as people who could barely tolerate the other to becoming close friends at the end showed much effort those behind the scenes took to make it believable. The villains were also good and I could believe that such people exist. Gary Gary Busey's character, Mr. Joshua, was someone who Riggs could have become if things were different. The fight between Joshua and Riggs were a perfect way to reach the end of that confrontation. Plus, having the part where the car came crashing through Murtar's house helped set that up. Uh, I would definitely rank the first Lethal Weapon my favorite among the series, but will admit that's a close race with the other three. It gets a 5 out of 5. That's all for my email. I'll try to send more regular... uh, emails but no promises so thank you anthony that big emailer sir it was great to hear from you sir all right so our uh, next email comes from uh, john the music man he's like hello stl and mike i am super excited that you are podcasting this series when i think of classic buddy cop movies this comes to mind i haven't seen this movie in a long time and unfortunately i don't own them anymore Uh, but went online and watched some of my favorite scenes. My favorite scene is the jump scene that's uh, just classic, how he handcuffs him and just looks at the guy with his crazy eyes and jumps. It's just classic. He's a good actor. Uh, He has those uh, looks that uh, pull you into the movie. Now, let's talk about the elephant in the room. Lately, Mel Gibson has uh, done and said a lot of, well, not the best things. But here is my philosophy about movies. I don't want their lives mixed in with my movies, meaning I keep that separate 
Uh, and I enjoy the movie for what it is, and I will watch it and keep politics out of it, which is a very good philosophy to have, sir. If I wanted that, I would watch. I would watch the movies. I would watch movies to escape reality. Well, off my soapbox. He said, if I wanted that, I wouldn't watch movies. Uh, you know, I watch movies to escape reality. So off my soapbox. Hopefully, everyone enjoys the movies. Uh, John, the music man, putting headphones back on and listening to some Twelve Stones. Excellent choice, sir. And you will be able to hear more Twelve Stones next week. Good times. So uh, that's uh, from John, the music man. So thank you, sir, so much. All right, uh, we have one from Lisa the Legend. Here's what she said: Hello, y'all. Uh, we are in total support of you doing bonus episodes for us fans. Uh, it's always nice when you get an unexpected extra that will get us through between STL reviews, underground hours, TCP episodes. Uh, I want to stop right there and talk about something really quick. All right, now, as you guys know, um, I've uh, hit number 18 on the underground hour. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Now, granted, it's uh, not something that everybody likes to listen to, which is perfectly fine. That's why they're called bonus episodes. They're for the people that are interested in that kind of thing, uh, people that just want to hear music and no movie reviews, and it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I've had a lot of uh, fans just really dig those episodes, and I've had a few that just say, you know, I skip those. I don't have any problems with it. I just wait for the movie reviews, which is awesome. Um, I wanted to talk about bonus episodes. Now, if you guys remember a few weeks ago, I talked about doing um, kind of premium episodes, if you will, where essentially I was going to review kind of other movies, other series, put it on that feed that would be separate from this one, and then you can go download it. Now, typically the premium episodes are usually ones that you have to pay for, or if they're free, maybe you donate, those kind of things. Well, uh, you know, I was kind of thinking, uh, I did a lot of thinking on the situation, how I wanted to handle things. And uh, to be honest with you, the whole premium episode thing, as much as I don't care about, you know, make, you know, I would make it free for everybody if they wanted to pay for something that's great, but it wasn't something that was a requirement. The way I was looking at it is this, is I'm already doing bonus episodes already with the Underground Hour. And the bonus episodes don't count towards the Road to 100. Because if you know, only the movie reviews are the ones that are episode driven. You know, episode 86, 87, so on and so forth. So here's what we're going to do in regards to the bonus episodes. As you guys know, in a few days, G.I. Joe Retaliation opens up. Now, I didn't mention this earlier in the show, but I actually have pre-screening to G.I. Joe. I get to go see it on Tuesday. It actually comes out the 28th, which is a Thursday. I get to see it two days beforehand. Here's what I'm going to do with the premium episodes. I'm going to put the premium episodes on this feed. So uh, they will not count towards the Road to 100. So only the Lethal Weapon series, the Rocky series, and Never Back Down count towards the Road to 100. These bonus episodes are basically going to be on this feed. So you won't have to go anywhere separate since you already have this show set up on your iTunes, your iPods, iPhones, whatever the case may be. And uh, if you are interested, great. It'll automatically come to your feed. If you're not interested, then you just simply delete it and wait for the next Lethal Weapon or the next Rocky movie to come. So when G.I. Joe Retaliation comes out, I'm going to review that episode. 
Uh, I'll probably throw in the first movie. I'll probably do a lot of uh, compare and contrast. I'm going to do a non-spoiler review, and then I'm going to have a section where I talk about spoilers. Then I'm going to do the Fast and the Furious series, and that's going to take place while I'm doing the Lethal Weapon or Rocky series, depending on when I start that. I'm going to be starting the Fast and Furious franchise right before Fast 7 comes out or Fast 6 comes out. So uh, you will get G.I. Joe roughly, um, I'm going to see it Tuesday, so you'll probably get it on either Thursday or Friday. You'll, I mean, it'll be one of the first reviews out there. But again, it's going to be a bonus episode, and you won't have to go anywhere else to get it. I've decided just to put it on this feed. When I release the episode, you know it'll have like bonus episode before, whatever the case may be. So just want to let you guys know. So in case, you know, you if someone wanted to hear a G.I. Joe uh, review, they wouldn't get to hear it on iTunes. They'd have to go somewhere else. Or if someone wants to hear the Fast and Furious franchise, they'd have to go, they wouldn't find it on iTunes. They would have to find it on Bandcamp. So I decided I just wanted to put it on iTunes since to make things easier for you guys since you already have this show lined up anyway. So that's what my announcement is, is that all the bonus episodes are in fact going to be done and will be on this feed and will be done during the same time as uh, Lethal Weapon and Rocky series, you know, whenever I do that. So uh, I, I'll be reviewing a lot more stuff with a lot more episodes, but it's going to be fun. It'll be good times. I'm excited for it. So uh, finishing up Lisa's email here, she goes on to say, I think you uh, picked a really fun 80s slash 90s series. Uh, I will only... Um, I will only a little of my two. Oh, I will only give you a little of my two cents and leave you to do the serious reviewing. Uh, this was such a fun series. I've been watching them lately on networks here and there that are showing them every week. Uh, of course, my favorite thing is the 80s time period. You can't get away from the hair or the clothes. Uh, it got better when they went into the 90s. I enjoy the total difference in the two men and how they really stick up for one another almost from the word go. You got to love how Riggs has such over-the-top love interest. I mean, you can't have your main man tied down. I really enjoy Murtaugh's love for his family. I really enjoyed how later his son-in-law was Chris Rock. I know you don't like him, Mike, but he was funny. It's Chris Tucker I don't like. I like Chris Rock. I think he's funny. And I definitely dig him in number four. I can't stand Chris Tucker. That's the guy I can't stand. The guy that's in the Fifth Element. The guy that's in the Rush Hour movies. That's the guy I don't like. Uh, and uh, brought in a younger audience. Also, you can't get away from Joe Pesci's awesome low-life character. Okay, 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 okay. I just love Joe Pesci's. He's crazy. Uh, I love the uh, over-the-top action mixed in with the fa- with the within the family. Uh, well, I look forward to uh, your killer review. Take it easy, Lisa the Legend. So thank you, Lisa, so much for writing in good times. And our final email comes from John the Mailman. Haven't heard from you in a while, sir. Good times. I'm glad you're back, sir. He goes on to say, hello, Mike. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, These next few weeks are going to be great for STL. The best road to 100 ever. I'm so glad you said that, man. I felt the same way too. It's so cool. Uh, I'm very excited to be doing you know, this. And hopefully the bonus episodes kind of make it an even cooler ride to 100. Because if you like G.I. Joe, you will have something extra to listen to and if you don't like gi joe well then you just wait for the next week for elite the weapon iraqi and if you like fast and furious 
you'll you know you'll get that. It'll be cool, man. I'm excited for it. It's gonna be awesome. And uh, kicking it off with uh, the best buddy cop series ever made. I agree 100%, sir. This is the best buddy cop series ever. Ugh. It's the best. Always has, always will be. Riggs and Murtaugh work so well together. I mean, the chemistry was right on point. A lot of great action comedy, and it even has heart. Uh, I w- I like watching Riggs go from suicidal to someone who wants to leave uh, and is happy, and we join him for the ride. The school shooting is crazy, and the time we live in now, it sticks out a lot, which I agree 100%, sir. Uh, the drug bust is funny with the Three Stooges references, but ends crazy. And uh, their meeting, their first meeting is super fun. What a way to start a partnership off. The jump scene is funny. Good times. You start to see Murtaugh to believe he's crazy suicidal. It's a fun ride, and I can't wait to hear your review. Have a great show and the fun ride to 100. John, the mailman, consider this email delivered. All right. Well, thank you, sir, so much for writing in good times. Hopefully you will uh, join me for the rest of the series, man, and and write in on that. So uh, that's it for all the emails. Thank you, everybody, for uh, pulling in last minute and writing in before I recorded. Great time. So let's get into the music spotlight. All right, guys, so for the music spotlight today, I was just kind of thinking, you know, what would be a great song to play, especially since I'm starting off the Lethal Weapon series. Now, normally, the music spotlights don't have anything to do with the movie. Uh, sometimes they do, like, you know, like when I reviewed Batman, I had Kiss from a Rose on there, or I had, uh, you know, the song by Chris Daughtry singing about Batman. So once in a great while, I'll throw in kind of a song that's themed-wise to the movie I just watched. Well, just, you know, listen to my iPod. I've been jamming to a lot of classics, and one song came on that I was like, this would fit perfectly with the theme of Lethal Weapon. And that's the good old classic from Green Day of Boulevard of Broken Dreams. I mean, how perfect is this song? Doesn't it like totally remind you of Riggs, you know, walking around all lonely inside and just, oh, it just fits, man. It's good stuff. It's a great song. Uh, I know a lot of people overplayed and killed this song. I think the song has kind of weared itself down enough to where nobody's heard it for quite a while. So I think it'll be okay to play it. So besides, I've been kind of in the classic jams, and uh, and it just kind of fit. So that's my music pick for tonight. So overall, guys, uh, that's it for the overall episode. If you'd like to write in, please do so. I will be recording Lethal Weapon 2 pretty early next week. So I want to get those emails in. Please do so at sweepdelaypodcast at yahoo.com or uh, stlpodcast at uh, gmail.com. Oh, wait, I forgot. I got some iTunes reviews. I almost forgot about that. Let me go ahead and uh, pull those up real quick. And, uh, man, these are some awesome, awesome iTunes reviews. Hold on one second here. All right, here we go. All right, we're going to skip this one. She obviously has no idea what she's talking about. Okay, here we go. Uh, This one comes from my boy, my friend, Jason from Flix, Film and Focus, Show Me the Winston, 
uh, in the Crossroads podcast. Here's what he had to say. I remember that flick. Masunas digs up the gems of the forgotten 80s and has a good time doing it. While the guy is good on his own, the show is even better when he brings in others to share in the fun. There is also a wide variety of other things happening in each episode besides movie reviews, news, music, emails, round out, the good times, making it a full, uh, a very full, fun, eh, I can't speak today, making this a very full and fast-paced show. Give it a listen. I mean, where else are you going to get a review of Hiding Out? And uh, thank you, sir, so much. Thanks so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule, sir. And, and writing me an iTunes review, that was so awesome, man. It totally made my day. And then uh, the next day, uh, I got another iTunes review. And this one comes from Papa Fett. And it says, like a crane kick to the face in a good way. It says, Mr. Masunis is a podcaster's podcaster. He's always working, striving to be better, and does it all for his listeners. He takes emails and ideas and incorporates them into his shows. Sweep the Leg is great at reviewing those movies you forgot you loved and reminding you why they are so great or not so great. This show is especially fun with a guest in studio to bounce things off of and interact, and the music throughout is fun. So thank you, Mr. Fett, for writing in. That was such an awesome review. Thank you, guys. Um, you know, iTunes reviews are hard to come by, uh, let alone star ratings. So the fact that you guys took the time out of your day to write those for me uh, really brightened my day up so much. Thank you. Um, you know, great stuff. I love it. So uh, if you want to go ahead and write an iTunes review, please do so. Um, or if you haven't rated the show, uh, those five-star reviews definitely do help me out and kind of boost in the numbers and stuff. So uh, anything you guys can do would be very helpful. If you want to join the uh, Facebook group, it's the STL Nation. Uh, we're having a lot of fun in there, so definitely love for you to join. And, you know, the common theme in the iTunes reviews was, you know, guest host. You know, I love doing this show by myself. It's fun, but of course, I love having a, a guest host with me. You know, it's always great to have Jameson on, but, you know, Jameson, uh, he has his own show, Movie Mojo Monthly. You know, that's his number one priority, just like STL is my number one priority. CCP is a show that we do together when uh, we just have some free time. So, you know, as much as I'd love to have him on here as a consistent you know, every single episode host, it's just not going to happen. And, you know, other hosts in the past haven't worked out, you know, and Jason, I mean, I always love having Jason come on, but, you know, again, we're different time zones. Uh, he's very busy. And uh, whenever he does come on, it's just, it's such an epic, fun episode. But again, it's not like I can have him be my guest all the time. So I do appreciate the feedback of how you do enjoy it when I'm by myself, but you love it more when other guests are on. And that's great to hear because that makes me feel good knowing that when I bring other people on that you are enjoying those guest hosts and it's great. So the next time you would definitely hear somebody's for Rocky 3 and Rocky 4, I promise. All right, so next week you will definitely have two new episodes. You're going to have Lethal Weapon 2 and then I'll finally deliver the 12 Stones Underground Hour episode, which I'm extremely excited for. It's been brutal to narrow it down. And uh, that's why I'm doing a top 12 instead of top 10, thanks to Jameson's idea of top 12 for 12 Stones. Makes perfect sense. And uh, thanks again, guys, for joining me for this. It's so great to jump back into a series again let alone making you know lethal weapon starting off it's going to be an awesome fun ride to 100 episodes and it's going to be great so you guys have yourself a great week you guys take care masunas out
this empty street on the boulevard of broken dreams where the city sleeps and I'm the only one I'm the only one who walks beside me